Alright, hi there folks. This is the uh, War Stories podcast on Critical Point, and my name is Kevin Riggle. Uh, I run my own little cybersecurity consultancy called Complex Systems Group, and we are here today with Patrick O'Doherty, uh, who is a San Francisco friend of mine, uh, and who uh, has worked in software for many years, uh, to talk about uh, that time he broke production, which is the theme of the War Stories podcast, uh, trying to tell incident stories in public. Uh, and uh, so, without further ado, uh, we'll roll the titles and get started. excited to tell the time that I broke production, uh, broke production one of many. Um, yes. Well, yes, I feel like most of us have a number of these stories, but yeah, it's... this this one was this one was memorable. The ones uh, that stick in the mind. Yeah, it, it induced nausea. Uh, okay. So, um, like Kevin said, yeah. my name is Patrick. I'm a San Francisco-based uh, software engineer. Um, I work at Oso uh, today. We're an authorization uh, solution, a hosted authorization solution. But the story I'm telling dates from a previous uh, life of mine where I worked at uh, Intercom. Uh, um, I had an eight and a half year tenure at Intercom. So, uh, and within that, almost three different lives. Um, the most, uh, the longest of them was on security. Um, and this time dates to, or this story dates to an early uh, event of mine um, working on the security team. Um, on what should should have been a very very standard Friday uh, morning. Um, actually, as I reminisce on my time at Intercom, all of the best Intercom incidents happened on a Friday, just universally. I, I I'm like... not I'm not as afraid of deploying on Friday, but just it is an observed phenomenon that all of the best uh, scrambles, all of the most uh, like hair raising events, seem to uh, just come about when the you know the final uh, you know precipitating uh, like a kickoff event happens on an early Friday morning, San yes. Francisco. Yes. I feel like when I was at Akamai, it was always like I would be finally catching up on email at like 6 p.m. on a Friday, and I would read something in email, and I'd be like, oh shit, this is an incident, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, just when all of the day's context is like fully, like, you know, come to you, and you're like, oh, you begin to realize it dawns on you that actually this is a lot more serious than uh, you first gave it credit. Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. So just to set a little bit of context, um, Intercom was then uh, a, an organization that had engineers split in uh, two geographies, um, primarily Dublin and San Francisco. Um, and we were all hosted in AWS, uh, primarily in US East. And so at the time, what I was working on was a project to provision cloud development environments that were hosted in AWS regions that were geographically proximate to where people were working, but which otherwise worked as a seamless, uh, you know, single network that allowed people to, uh, you know, f for example, share development environment in progress with each other or to share 
uh, access to common resources as if they were on the same uh, network. Um, and to do this, it required making what should have been a very uh, straightforward change to the existing VPC um, CIDR block allocations that uh, we had in US East. The best um, kind of change. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just like, uh, I think all of maybe a dozen lines, uh, you know, not, not too much, uh, but just enough to get the job done. And this was about a year into Intercom's usage of Terraform. So we had migrated um, progressively like more uh, uh, like application uh, specific parts of the stack into um, Terraform, but we had started by putting all of the like skeletal, you know, VPC config, you know, common security groups, all that sort of stuff into Terraform. And so the change that I was making was to sort of take a piece of the IP space that we had already like allocated to this uh, VPC and then otherwise give it to different regions where we could run uh, workspaces and that'd be all nice. And Terraform, since this is at least like theoretically a general audience podcast, uh or a general computer audience podcast for folks who don't work in the cloud so much is an infrastructure as code thing where you describe the sort of like AWS resources that you want to exist in the cloud in a like text file on your, yep. you know, local device, check it into GitHub and then go like run a command to, you know, that uh, goes and tries to make your AWS look as much like the description you've put in the text file as possible. Exactly that. Yeah, it's a um, it's HashiCorp's uh, declarative infrastructure as code tools. So you provide uh, Terraform a just a state, a desired state of what you want your infrastructure to look like. It has a state file, which it uses to you know record pointers to whatever cloud resources it's managing under the various name aliases uh, you've given them. Um, and then when you try and run a change, it uses the state, does a evaluation, compares the diff, and then it goes off and it tries to reconcile that. Um, there's a lot of magic in there. Um, oh my God, so much magic, yes. A lot of magic. And in particular, what was unknown to us at the time was how, uh, in, like what specific behavior, uh, we were using uh, loops or a very like primitive form. Iteration was a, like a very difficult thing or not a difficult, but it was like cumbersome um, okay, yeah. in Terraform at the time. Because it's not and... really, it's like, because it's declarative, it's not really like, uh, it loops are sort of metaprogramming there. You're, yeah, so like, yeah. it didn't really fit well into HCL. Um, and it also translated at a very like, sort of primitive way into operations. Um, what I mean by that is, so our CIDR block allocations were contained in an array and the change that I made, uh, like reshuffled the contents of the array and rather this was performed destructively. So what we, so to achieve this Terraform destroyed all of the uh, items in the first array and then tried to recreate the second array piece by piece by piece. I see. But, so this is the the array which contains the mapping between like which machine should it... subnet allocations I think. Yeah. It was it was it was cider it was cider blocks to uh to basic something to do with subnet allocations. I can't remember exactly where this this loop was, but it's to okay. suffice to say my cider block allocations were uh conflicting. It was not okay. possible for this loop to complete. And so about halfway through or about partway through, it failed to create the rest of the array, which meant that all of the uh, 
all of the remainder, uh, you know, regional, uh, sorry, availability zones in this region were left without uh, like subnet cyber, IPs yes, assigned. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So every so... every deployed host in production suddenly went into a net split where it has okay. just n equals one. Okay, so this was this was for AWS networking then. So Terraform, sort of like Sorcerer's Apprentice style, had helpfully like it did removed exactly all it of removed exactly removed all of the uh, networking uh, uh, configuration in AWS, and then got halfway through uh, setting up the new one before it was like, "Oops, can't do that." Yep, it, it's uh, the perfect uh, mix of. Uh, factors because it also you know another pet favorite in here is um terraform's validation is can, is very like surface level because okay, it cannot yeah. apply all of the api level validation that actually happens when you make a request to address sure. sure so it's quite common for you to have a so um backing up terraform allows you to um create what's called a plan yeah which is the exact set of uh, operations that it thinks it's going to have to perform to reconcile your existing state to your desired state. And in fact, um, I believe uh, this plan successfully completed for this change that I proposed because from Terraform's perspective, all it had to do was delete this array and then create this new array and it had all of the inputs that it needed for the new array. And it had no knowledge of what the, uh, the input uh, arguments for what their relationship uh, was to each other and whether there was any logical validation that needed to be applied over that. That was something for the API to do. Okay, and right. Runtime came, sure enough, the API did that. Right. Um, it compiled, ship it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think this was a change that I proposed at, you know, like half nine or 10 o'clock on a Friday morning. Uh, the engineer that approved it was a Dublin-based engineer on a sibling infrastructure team who was going out to celebrate, I think, his birthday uh, that evening. So he was just, you know, reviewed it on the bus. Okay. Uh, looks and Dublin is... Ship it eight hours ahead. Eight hours ahead. So, yeah, so okay. It's, you know, it's like now... Nine, it's 6 p.m. Five, for six. him. Exactly. He is... Yeah. The, the laptop, he does not have it. It right. is on his desk. Yes, um, yes. And... Yeah, suddenly, you know, the entire like intercom world goes dark because right. uh, none of these machines can talk to each other. Yeah, no, nothing in the in the VPC can talk to each other. Oh, anymore. So, the, so what's so, in this VPC, which is a sort of like con, or a, yeah, yeah. a sort of structure inside AWS? Is this all of intercoms? All of everything. All of all of intercoms. Everything is in this VPC, okay. and suddenly, you know, uh, load balancers can't talk to their registered targets. Um, Oof. All of the AWS monitoring tools can't reach all of the things that they're supposed to be in uh, charge of. Um, we'll come back to that. That's uh, okay. No, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically every all traffic just disappears. There is no response from for intercom for a while. Okay, intercom um, is hard down. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. There's yes. Just, there's nothing even, going on. Even the marketing site. Um, possibly not the. No, yeah. Depend. You might have hit a cached version of it, but if you had, if okay. you gone to the origin, um, okay, yeah, possibly at this stage, uh, you would have still gone to you know the common uh, hosted infrastructure for okay. for all of Intercom's apps. Got it. Okay. Um, so and how yeah, many people we were... was Intercom at this point? Uh, in the four or five hundred, maybe. Okay. 
range. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's yeah. a pretty sizable operation it's to be sizable. just suddenly yeah. poof. Hard down. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, mercifully, we had created ahead of time a separate Terraform or a separate AWS account where a um, like full Terraform environment was already provisioned. And so okay. this was ready made for you to perform what we call Terraform surgery. And okay. so it, it was immediately obvious to us what had happened, you know, like, oh, everything is now goofed. This this change has been misapplied. Right. It's like partially applied. Right. So it needs to be selectively edited and then just applied forward as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, okay. And so, to restore the networking. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, we had a practice break glass mechanism for issuing, you know, an ephemeral SSH certificate to reach this, you know, unique environment that, you know, had the specific, uh, you know, uh, cross uh, account AWS assume role privileges to be able to, you know, reach in and because you can't administer the account from the inside now, like pretty much everything network wise is, is good, okay. Right. So this has to be done externally. Okay. Um, oh, and so you were running this from inside AWS, inside your VPC, and we, so yeah, we we had we had three AWS three AWS accounts in in uh, in play here. There's like the prod where everything okay. is and everything's going yeah. on. There was Terraforms yeah. uh, to keep you know uh, the snake from eating itself. Uh, yes. There was a yes. Terraform account separately for manipulating uh, production. And okay. then there was a, you know, Terraform emergency separate account, which had oh, okay. like a break glass mechanism where there nice. was a, just like an easy, an, uh, an old scaling group of N equals one that had mm -hmm. Terraform checked out and ready to go. And you could, um, you know, you that instance profile had the necessary credentials to be able to perform whatever manipulations would be necessary for you to rectify whatever was going on. Great. Okay. I think my experience of Terraform was like running it on my local laptop. And so then it's a little different world, but yeah, we, yeah. we really wanted to move away from people running it locally, um, early yeah. on, just see any way to keep it in any way, uh, sensible or, um, under wraps. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, this environment had the IAM credentials necessary. It had access to the S3 state bucket, all of that to be able, um, and Vim and other things installed. So you could do, literal state file surgery oh. or whatever was necessary. I mean, I don't believe yeah. that this was necessary in this incident, but definitely there were times where this place was used to do some um, real, uh, there's a GIF from uh, Indiana Jones where he's trying to swap out uh, oh, yes. skull for a dummy weight. And yes, yes, really, yes. Really, I empathize with that moment a great deal. Oh, yes, yes. From, experiences with terraform when you're in a text editor editing your like the internal representation of your tools uh understanding of the world that in order to convince it yeah. that, you know that the world isn't either the way that it is or trick it in a useful way that is a very 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 that's yeah and you're just like trying to get past safety mechanisms as quickly as possible to get to the thing that you want to do right. because you have a very sure understanding of what's wrong um, right and safety things couldn't prevent you from getting there, and they're sure as hell not going to like rectify it. You just want direct action to get it done. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, thankfully <clears throat> this was already at hand, and yeah, that's I think good. it took yes. us about maybe fifteen minutes to to go from you know ten fifteen minutes to go from oh what has happened here? Yeah. Uh, because you know the the Terraform application that did, that did this was automated. You know it had been triggered by a, a merge. Oh, okay. 
once this pull request had gone in. So, oh, I see. Uh, oh, so there's CI/CD happening. Con exactly. Continuous so. integration, continuous deployment. So you you like make the pull request, you get it reviewed, you get it approved. Yep. So it passes Terraform local tests. Plan, yeah, it was posted right. as a GitHub comment. You approve that. Okay. And then yep. you're, you're you know you're signing off these changes of things oh, are going to happen nice. in respect. Yeah. It was. Yeah. If you tried to approve something before the comment was there, it would reject your approval. Nice. So nice. It only it was. It was really, really, um, yeah, it was so very You built some nice automation around this. Yeah, yeah it, there, nice. was a lot, there was a fair amount of homegrown tooling around it. Um, uh, a couple of different CLIs that like performed all of the application of this. The, the, the CICD workers were um, orchestrated using BuildKite. Okay. And they were hosted in a in this separate AWS account. So this oh, was got it. Okay. Hence why you needed this. To, yeah. yeah. And so this was a way for us to have you know separation and the yeah. CI/CD flows, but like oh, still yeah. have all of the access that we wanted in terms of you know assume role, being able to provision things, and, and then having this third account where we can just sort of duck in when uh, when needs be uh, yeah. and do the changes. Yeah. Nice. It was highly productive. Um, yeah. One one of the like better. Uh, I, like I was always very happy to show it off and like, like yeah. pr proud to speak of it uh, to to people because um, nice. it was certainly it was a very productive way of working. Um, Thanks. So, yeah. So about ten or fifteen minutes to go from, uh, you know, delayed reaction of like what's going on, you know, right? Because what was the first thing you noticed? Like, what was the first like wait what kind of um, signal? I mean, just like the the more the more unusual uh, response of like zero, you know, like it just like a, your application has become a black hole. Like it's okay. not even, it's not you're you're not getting five hundreds. You're, you're getting nothing. You're you you are met with silence. Okay. So I think yeah. it was pretty, uh, you know, ominous and all at once as a yeah as an event. Um, was that the more common thing? Is that you know an application change went out, you know, like a code change went out because it was mm -hmm. hundreds of them a day and like something there you know met reality that it hadn't anticipated and started you know creating a huge amount of errors like that that's the more common yeah case and that was you know almost automated and okay. but this was just like the app accidentally and it's no it's no longer there right yeah none of it Right. So, so did you like start hearing, you know, like somebody ping you in Slack, being like, "Hey, I see you just, you know, did a change." Did we accidentally the app. Um, yeah. Did we accidentally yeah. the entire app? Yes. I yeah. I was uh, I was present in the office, and I think, okay. um, you know, this this infrastructure change hit everything. So, yeah. uh, you know, internal back of house applications that were being oh. used by people were okay. like all, like... also hit by this. So, like, this is real. Yeah, you know, I can't tools like yeah yeah seriously. So you're like I can't log into the like employee portal or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The back yeah. the back of house like CS tools would have been down simultaneously. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only other time that I've actually caused a down tool situation like this was when I was previously responsible for the San Francisco office internet. I okay. Made, like a uh, actually a writing table. Uh, yep. Oh my god. You know, yep. Um, never again. Networking is networking is hard. Networking, as a friend of mine put it, you know, had his his signature put it one letter away from not working. <laughs> yeah, it's um, doing uh, like networking updates up a ladder, one handed Ooh. in front of a room of people while oh. sweating profusely, just yes. like, wanting to disappear from everybody's observation. Uh, yes, yes. Oh man, oh, terrifying stuff. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah this this again was like uh, hey everything is broken you know there's yeah. there's nothing going on here and and also you know all of the usual diagnostics were met with complete silence there wasn't okay, anything yeah. coming back so it was yeah. pretty obvious that something and you know we had made the change it had been published um in, in slack so it was like hey this is probably relevant yeah yes. um so so anyway, we got about 15 minutes later, we got back to, um, you know, signs of life again, yeah. uh, load balancers are beginning to register uh, targets and auto scaling groups, things are like spinning up and, and we're beginning to see normalization. Okay. But um, <clears throat> very shortly after that, people log into the application um, and uh, some context. So Intercom is a, a communications platform that uh, businesses yeah. use to uh, interact with customers and it, one of the primary interfaces that people spend their day in is what's known as the inbox so it's a multiplayer uh, real-time inbox uh, that takes in all of the conversations that you re receive from multiple streams um, and then you know you you interact with them so this um, is where people might have most interacted with this is like that little chat support widget in the bottom exactly right of yeah, a lot so of websites now is like powered a lot of them are intercom powered so that's the single player version of intercom as you will um you know okay, you're speaking yes. to you know one business but on the far side of that there is you know uh somebody at the business that you're speaking to and they have a one-to-many you know right. interface uh, much like your gmail inbox or something else where they can have multiple conversations going in real time zendesk what the oh so what the customer support rep experience exactly, is, for yeah. example so the, far, yeah. the business side of that is like a is yeah. what's known as the inbox which is this, yeah. um like big you know information rich uh place where yeah. a lot of uh, real-time updates are happening yeah um and that inbox um makes very heavy use of an elastic search cluster that okay. is fed real-time updates that are tailed uh, as an operation log from intercoms api so changes to state such as a user event being tracked or a new attribute being added to a profile these are caught in a uh, like operation log from Dynamo, I believe, at the time, and were replicated into a Elasticsearch uh, Interesting. Cluster. Interesting. So these are what are these are like so these are like API level changes that are happening on the platform and you generate uh, Yeah, so so you might example that if you're widgets.com and you have a pro a user profile for Kevin and Patrick and an attribute on that by might be the number of widgets that they've bought. And so when either of us makes a purchase, um, you know, widgets.com will update the, you know, N widgets purchased to three or whatever. And that is the sort of thing that you might have a um, congratulations auto message triggered on within Intercom. So a big focus of Intercom's messaging is that you could create profiles based on data attributes. So when people have crossed through a particular threshold of number of actions taken or when their profile attributes match specific key values or you know other conditions that you could use those as a trigger for some other behavior namely okay. se sending events of some form so maybe sure. a tutorial or feedback or an email an email being like thank you on being a loyal customer for exactly. yeah or you know okay. we see that you've used this five times without success you know like what, what are we doing wrong like that right. you know great all that sort of it's it's like the core mechanic of of uh, intercom right is yeah. this uh, behavior-based messaging in the messenger and all of this um, and a all of that is centered around this elastic search cluster both for okay. the 
you know, you being able to search through the real time contents of conversations coming in. Right. That's like one, maybe 50% of it. And the other half of it was the, um, the profile data that I spoke about and specifically, um, uh, intercom had a, at the last, the very, very last thing that happened for any outbound automated message was a check against the real time search indices to see that you still matched all of the conditions because Okay. You know, data is right. far from perfect, and there might be cases where you just marginally dipped into a, a condition, or you might be flapping, or like this. It was very, very important to have this last, this final check, right? Because also, uh, you could have an expansive fanout process that might have taken a while, and so, you know, people's data might have gone stale. So if you know you did a fan out to all of your active customers in North America five hours ago um, okay and then somebody isn't active anymore or whatever then you don't want them to get that email so effectively this is like a there's some breakage in the fan out because okay. uh, people might not match a particular uh, uh, attribute anymore they might okay. maybe a a region has changed or a state has changed so they don't match the filter and you don't want them to get that message right okay and so what's doing this uh final check is that Elasticsearch or? Yeah, so the, the, okay. the, the basis of that last check is the uh, Elastic. Elasticsearch was used as one component in the basis of that last check. So the un so um, there was both a front of house and a back of house, you know, two very, very heavy components that used Elasticsearch. One that okay. drove all of the interactions that people saw when they were working on conversations. Okay. And the other was effectively a gating mechanism on any outbound automated messaging. So you could still do one-to-one -one, uh, transactional stuff, but all of your, you know, daily automated heavy email. I see. That required okay. a lot. All of those emails as they were going out did a last-minute validation that the Got triggers... It that the message were was being queued up on still okay. matched the user so that we didn't send you know nonsense right, right. So, okay so this is so this is the elastic search cluster which is dedicated basically to this cron system that like yeah uh, is used for yeah so it okay. has like two there's two clusters um and they're they're both used like one front of house and one back of house yeah um and shortly after things begin to reappear online um we start to get user reports that like there's no search results in yeah. the inbox. Mm, um, yeah. There's just nothing there. And empty. what is the change that you've made, which is causing things to come back online? This is where you went into the Terraform. And... I just revert. I you know reverted my uh, perspective uh, cider block allocations and said you know not today. We'll do that okay. some other day. We'll go back to yeah. the known. The oh, okay, known great. State. And so I okay. just put everything back as it was previously. And so hosts that were in, uh, you know, the same. Uh, order, uh, region, sub-region, uh, availability zone, yeah. uh, terminology soup uh, <laughs> in AWS. Yes. All of those, you know, uh, availability zones were given back their old uh, locations, it. and just we went back to as it was. Got it. Um, okay. So this was a case where you could at least kind of roll back to a no good yeah. state Terraform. You you give it back the old config it looks at the current state of the world it's like oh my god it goes and deletes all of the networking again and recreates it back the way that it originally was and yeah. stuff starts traffic starts flowing finally yeah so you know every server that previously couldn't see any other server can now see everybody again great okay um, so, problem solved right <laughs> yeah so you know ostensibly yes like for a yeah. mo for a sweet blissful moment there yes. it looks like we've escaped from what should be you know a pretty gnarly um incident without 
uh, much in the way of uh, issue. Only 15 minutes of downtime. It's not exactly. great, but yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. If you weren't trying to use the app for those 15 minutes, you'd, you'd never notice. Except now you're getting, okay, now you're getting user reports that they're like, there's no search results here. What's, yeah. yeah. Um, and other signs of, I believe other signs of life uh, outbound activity alarms are beginning to show, uh, you know, queues are getting backed up because, uh, you know, messages mm. that should be fanning out and uh, sending on a like regular basis are now uh, no longer. Okay. So, so, you know, simultaneously, you have these like two pressures beginning to right. build. Okay. Uh, and they all center around this uh, Elasticsearch. Okay. Um, is it is is it both Elasticsearches that are having problems, the front of house and the back of house one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So that's weird. We, like, we get yeah, yeah we get these um, we get these reports that things are broken, and then when you look into them, it appears that Elasticsearch is the culprit. Okay, the common mode right. failure. Yeah. yeah, or I mean, like, the, like, and I, I, what I'm getting from this is that these two elastic searches are both like they're they're separate because you don't want like search going down to <laughs> like affect the um, you know the sending of these automated yep. messages. But in this case, there's something in common. Maybe we, you know, yeah, there's some common component to them. So yeah, um, like. Intercom was such a heavy consumer of Elasticsearch at various points that I, I um, it was like a staffed role within the infrastructure team. Okay, Elasticsearch to run it as a internal service um, keeper. Yeah. Um, so in this case, all of the infrastructure that was used for this stuff was communal, uh, okay. front and back. Okay. Um, oh, interesting. And so, so somebody's responsible for both of the elast these Elasticsearch yeah. clusters. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and so we look into it and. What's odd is, you know, Elasticsearch is there, you know, um, right. when, you, when yeah. you address it, it's yeah. there. The same host that was there uh, is there. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and, uh, but then we look a little bit closer, we, you know, we get, uh, you know, ne network proximity to them and start making some diagnostic requests and it hmm. begins to show us that like while it is green the cluster status is green all of those alarms are a-okay mm -hmm. it is entirely empty there is not oh. like a there is not a drop of data in it okay um and there was data in it before this happened there was yeah there yeah. was quite a lot there was where'd it go <laughs> yeah um so the you know mystery mm -hmm. um the uptime for these hosts is not very high in fact it sort okay. of it's e equal to you know the like the event horizon or the event time rather so right okay um what's going on there that's we look yeah. and look a little bit further and um so the team that was managing uh Elasticsearch was using aws opsworks to do so okay I've never and, heard of this, which is not at all surprising in AWS world. It has so many products, but what yeah, is OpsWorks? It, it is a uh, server. It's a server or orchestration uh, product. Okay. Um, okay. I am myself not hugely familiar with it because okay. its use was very limited uh, at Intercom. So Intercom had its own um, infrastructure orchestration and application deployment system that was okay. called Muster. Okay. And Nice. I can only liken Muster as like the family dog that ate a bunch of batteries and never looked at you the same again, but just, okay. just like all the same because like 
faults and everything, they were just like, you know, mustard was your dog. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Well, everybody it, loved mustard. That's uh, infrastructure stuff like that is like, you know, once you start with it, you're never moving away from it. You're just yeah, yeah. I, and it was like it is as old as Intercom because it was right. a like boss created code base. It was like created originally oh. by the like VP of engineering. Oh, even it, better. It yes. like predates so many different other uh, orchestration tools that came subsequently. For sure, but, yeah. Yeah, so M Muster is the thing that Intercom uses exclusively, but the thing that deploys Muster itself was OpsWorks. Oh, okay. And so, you know, you spot the mm. turtles all the way down. Yes, So yes. there needed to be something that was in charge of keeping some, uh, because Muster was a, ultimately had like a, a, a fleet of workers that sure. you know took a job queue and did the things okay, and so yeah. something needed to make sure that those were always running because that was the basis by which other you know manipulations would happen like code would get deployed or a rollback would happen or right. x right. y and z okay um, and so muster was responsible for like the production services whereas terraform was uh responsible like for a infrastructure scaling groups that hosted those services yeah okay so yeah muster was more responsible for taking your merges to main okay and yeah. bundling that up and putting it on the hosts that got were it. orchestrated and otherwise organized by terraform got it okay and, cicd for the yeah the production service and yeah yeah and uh i'm assuming that muster also does things like checks to see if a service pings and then reboots it if it doesn't yeah exactly it muster was Effectively, like a um, a very like thick layer on top of auto scaling groups, um, okay. Mm, okay. manipulating auto scaling groups uh, and using the um, like healthy host count and other triggers from various things pointing at them. Okay. Um, so like okay. a cluster, a web cluster would just translate to an auto scaling group that maybe had a load balancer attached or other things associated with it, and then okay. Buster would just manage that. And there was hundreds of auto scaling groups just you know logically grouped into the applications um, sure. and then they would be deployed communally so you know okay the intercom rails codebase would go out to the various you know 100 or so 150 or so clusters right that were right. doing you know various web fleets or backgrounds or cron or whatever sure um, yeah okay yeah yeah but um as a as a separate concern opsworks was the thing that was like you know the more the most core uh you know, infrastructure orchestration tool, you know, yeah. beneath it all, right? The th where it, it, it was used by the infrastructure team to deploy the things that they made available as a service to other parts of Intercom. Got it, and okay. Because they didn't want to, there had been prior Muster Deploys itself uh, uh, adventures. Yes. Uh, and we didn't yes. want to revisit them. OpsWorks was the thing that did it instead. Okay, yeah. Um, and so OpsWorks was running these Elasticsearch because this is you know prior to AWS managed Amazon in okay. the Elasticsearch world. So oh, interesting. Okay. This, this is a we are running Elasticsearch. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. On some EC2 boxes. Yep. With yeah. yeah, we are responsible for it all year round, not just for Christmas. Like we yes, are yes. Do, we are doing this. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so OpsWorks is the thing that's responsible for those hosts. Mm -hmm. And um, OpsWorks in its wisdom so its perspective of the event mm -hmm. when we go back to you know t equals zero is yeah. that the systems that it was managing disappeared right yes can't it could hang see them yeah it couldn't it couldn't make any um direct con uh, connection to them Health it could check see fails. them in okay. the aws uh like host 
Yes, API. Enumeration, right? Because yeah. like everything is still there, but it can't see them. Right. So its next best idea is to reboot the host. Kick them. Yes. So the first thing is like you know, yep. good old kill it and kick them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what we don't know, and we only subsequently discover, is that the disks that are used as the basis for the like index storage are ephemeral. Ah. Which means that this rebooting empties them. They right. They, like, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. You are never so is so is this uh, so so you're not using EBS volumes, the elastic block store volumes attached to these EC2 instances for uh, storing this data, which is good because mm -hmm. e EBS still hasn't fixed their like uh, the P99 latency uh, problem is like you know is like an hour. Uh, mm -hmm. You go to make a file system request and uh, it's just like uh, come back come back after lunch and you're like. I need it now. I need it like I'm running a database. You and every I I, I assume that that's why or something similar is why you're uh, you're doing this. So you're doing this on instant storage, yeah, uh, which goes away when exactly. you yes, okay. So you know we have the same number of instances that we had previously. They're just like carrying a lot less data, right? Um, yes, and this has happened everywhere. So like this is right. a communal uh, configuration issue for how this template of Elasticsearch instance is running and okay, being yes, managed yes, by OpsWorks. So every yes. Elasticsearch cluster across the company right now is pristine, Gone, unsullied yes, by any yes. data, just yes. like... Poof. Yeah, poof. Completely poof. Yes. Okay. Woof. Was this the first time that this had happened? Um, I think it was the first... Yeah, I think it was the first time that we had like had a, uh, you know, an Elasticsearch server Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, it was at this point when I saw, you know, like empty indices that I like was very um, nauseous, like yes. because it yes. was unclear what the recovery time yeah. would be. Yeah. To, um, you know, we're talking like a billion or more user documents to put into this index. So yeah, to recreate something, you know, there there are systems that become i think the term is like semi-stable you know where yes. they're like technically operating and right. you know responding to queries but they're yeah. past a point of uh, sustainable operation because once they exit that envelope there's no recovery right yeah and, and we had entered that moment and so the the elastic search clusters aren't the like source of truth for this data the source of truth is the dynamo i think Mm -hmm. Okay, so so there is at least the theoretical possible you know, like the data still exists somewhere and it's just not in a useful form. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully, the so um, the the backing story of the Dynamo use, um, you know, prior to that. So I joined Intercom in 2013, and when I joined Intercom's primary document store was Mongo. Okay. Um, Love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just oodles, oodles and bundles of fun. Yes, yes. Um, and so the, the one of the, basically, with respect to the contents of user documents, Intercom doesn't quite care all that much. And actually, it would prefer to keep each customer's user documents in its own uh, domain. But what okay. is useful and uh, necessary to uh, keep is a unique identity index of, like, 
different identifiers that have been used in different workspaces across intercom and okay. then index those into specific documents so it's not necessarily to like it's not necessary to query to query across documents so much okay and um, certainly not locally what is sure. necessary is like unique identity index management within a workspace okay and that plus you know rich document uh manipulation is like kind of the the thing that's hard to square so intercom ended up making use of both Aurora RDS plus Dynamo to square this circle. So like the okay. literal are the literal index for identity, like what unique unique identities exist in what um, workspace shard, like what customer shard or what user ID or email or etc. What specific unique document identifier that translates to that was all maintained in RDS. Okay. And then all of the like Dynamo got to do all of its uh, great thing with respect to you know, keeping uh, just like less structured uh, data. Um, Got it. Okay, so you're and, yeah. So you're using a relational database to do relational database things, so that you can do things uh, both across customers. I think I'm. So not we're not across customers. Not across but customers. Wanted, basically, Intercom wanted a large, expansive document store that uh, like was uh, amenable to the access patterns of many different uh, customers okay but that also we didn't have to run right um, yes and that was found in dynamo but was what what was not found in dynamo was the ability to also maintain the unique identity index that was necessary to perform certain like application level features okay yeah so yeah it was the combination right. of the two as like one um like api so right okay and, yeah that from, okay. from a developer's pr perspective, gave people both. So this became abstracted as like a document store Great. for developers to work on. Great. And they just got it's to a... write things into it and like okay. the uh, identities it... were taken care of. A document um, store where you can pull up a user by their email address easily. In a shard. In yeah. a shard. Yeah, without... Because like if you haven't... In a regular document store, what is it? If you haven't... Uh, it doesn't really have indexes. You've got the key and then, you know, a huge JSON, you know, blob. And so if the ability to go from something user, you know, human readable, human mm -hmm. understandable, like an email address uh, to that giant blob requires like, yeah, some additional machinery on top of it. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, this was the best of both worlds for, for Absolutely. Us yes. We must have had a similar thing at Stripe because there's, yeah no way we were going to sit there iterating through all bajillion customers, you know, to find yeah. the one with the right email address. Like, um, and yeah, like it, it actually, uh, it leaves RDS to do a very relational database job in right. a very highly performant way. It's right. like, yeah, you, you actually rock at this. Uh, yes. I'm very happy to use you. Yes. Um, yes. It'll scale to whatever capacity I care about. Right. Um, and Dynamo for its part was like upholding the, uh, operational, like simplicity uh, and less toil, which yeah, was right. a yeah. big, big, big thing because Mo you know previously uh, operating Mongo in any capacity was just uh, it was very, very difficult. Like yes. it was just um, particularly at the scale that Intercom wanted to uh, to do it, it was just yeah. very challenging. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the, the final piece of that puzzle was connecting it into some good search infrastructure. Right. So this was like the oplog bit that I spoke about right. earlier. So like the, this is the where Elasticsearch comes in. Yes. Yeah, we're being. Yes. The changes that were being fed into user documents and other things going on in Dynamo ultimately made their way as 
you know, changes into Elasticsearch. Got it. Okay. And this Elasticsearch mm. was the basis for, you know, like search for all users that are in Canada, but that have purchased five widgets and right. who use Chrome. Right. Or, and that like last logged in a week ago, you know, or more. Yeah. Like this is Elasticsearch's game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh my God. Yes. It loves that. So, yeah. you know, you just got to, in, in many ways, um, use the right tool for the right job, you know, exactly. like slice and dice. Yeah. Um, and then you're providing um, unified interface to it via the APIs and via the, yeah. 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 There was, th this was only really possible because Intercom was a large monolith Rails code base where okay. it was possible to, to do this by convention because it certainly yeah. wasn't going to be possible to do it by convention in a multi, uh, you know, repo, you know, unless you had other tooling. Oh, we sure. barely yeah. managed it with the custom, <laughs> custom, bash scripts that were just grep and other things that like uh forbid you from using anti-patterns and directed you to use something else instead right right um, yes like, yes like so you know we would grep for any direct manga or you know document store sublayer usage except that you know in these blessed files that, right you know forgive you or like forbid you from using or allowing you to check your code in right if you hit it because we're like hey please go through the one door that we have prepared for you right um because otherwise we're going to lose track Yes. Um, oh, it's the spaghetti that would result, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to great fortune, um, about six months prior, like a lot of this work had come to fruition. And so there was one of the semi-stable states that Intercom had prior was uh, recovering from Elasticsearch outage because okay. in the Mongo world, it was really slow. Yeah. Um, and it was thought that the setup that we uh, could create in uh, Dynamo would allow us to have a way quicker uh, recovery. Okay. Um, and that work had uh, like had only come to be done about a couple of months prior. Okay. So somebody somebody was like, I'm really concerned that if you know we lose these really, elastic yeah, searches, I... like because it's what I what I think I'm hearing is that these elastic searches have you know a searchable version of the oplog back to the beginning of time, or pretty much. Uh, they 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 guess they cur they have a searchable history of the uh, current document for oh okay not yes. not over each individual operation but yeah. just like what what is the current form of the document which is oh okay okay represented got it which is like the the, the baked representation of the oplog got it okay okay so you, the oplog is what's keeping that that state up to date yeah. and then okay so so you need some way to get all of the documents from Dynamo into yeah. Elasticsearch. So that they can be Plus searched. Some changes that are going on Plus right the, now. Plus, the the, the changes this 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 process will not be instantaneous, or and or even if it was, you don't want to like, or you could like stop, you know, Dynamo, stop all changes in Dynamo until you finish this process. But like, no, that's terrible. So you you like send it over, and then you you start streaming the oplog immediately, and eventually it will catch up to like real time. Yeah. So that we. We got extremely lucky that we had only uh, go back to your question. Like, yeah, this yeah. is something that we had identified as like an organizational risk that Elasticsearch was now growing, uh, sort of too big to be um, managed, or that a recovery right. would be painful if and when it happened. Right. Um, <laughs> well, here you are. <laughs> yeah. So. And so this was, um, yeah, like I said, about six months after this work had finally come to close, that so we had drilled some. Uh, I say we. The other team had drilled right. a uh, Elasticsearch team. Had yeah, had drilled a recovery to this, and on that day, um, uh, on that day it worked. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that it was quick, but I think sure, yeah. Uh, you know, it was 
something about I think it was ten hours. Okay. Um, yeah. Not not what you wanted to spend the Friday doing. No. Not and into the evening. The but on. but yeah. certainly it would have been days. It would have been days or possible. Like I don't know that we, it was um, like bound or right. get get you know like there was you're getting into like multiplying it like this is naive. It's clear that there's something is going to like wreck me about halfway doing this through yeah. doing this job if I just tell you a projection of this thing multiplied by four days like right, something. Yeah. <laughs> There's like some other bound here that is not immediately visible that's gonna like completely wreck us. Yeah. Um but uh yeah we were able to to get back to you know partial states of recovery um a little bit quicker but yeah. um you know like back to our reality you know, in the documents for matches or matches the like tallied reality of uh, everything that happened. Yeah, um, I think was in around the, the ten hour mark. Okay, and um, and was this basically just like taking a dump from the Dynamo and like, uh... yeah, I believe we. If, now this is where um, my my details will get a little bit more hazy, but I believe we this was based on pretty uh, decent snapshotting that we had. Okay. So we had some ability to um, recover from some like more recent point in time and play oh. like a shorter form of the log because... Good. Okay, so there was know, some backups of the Elasticsearch. Yeah, yeah. Thank so goodness. this, this, yes. this, this yeah. was the reason that, um, you know, this this was honestly the, the last bit of like sort of intercoms data puzzle as it were clicking into place because there had always been parts of the... Prior to that, there, there had always been parts of the platform that it felt like we were building like Wallace and Gromit out ahead of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, I mean, classic. Necessarily, yeah, I mean, classic hypergrowth. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, a, a success in startups is getting to replace the old jank that you built five years ago. Yes. Um, or six like months having, ago. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Or, ha or having earned the um, the opportunity to like come back and replace it. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we oftentimes like will strive for perfection the first time out but perfection always is a mistake gonna get you uh always to the next thing like yeah pragmatism yeah uh is required to like really optimize your time yeah. <laughs> utilization and yeah you know well do, it, do the thing that's like worthwhile and then reevaluate. yeah i mean you're always sort of in startup land you're always sort of like uh six months away from going out of business or at least like not being able to raise yeah. the next round and so it's like yeah <laughs> Yeah, and the, the the one thing that you have, you know, that nobody else has is like focus on your idea, like the thing yep. that you can do. Yeah, it actually requires you to do that rather than getting distracted and everything else that people that anybody else can do. Like, yep. um, any can, anybody can build, you know, the more generic, perfect CI/CD thing right. to ship an right. app that's rubbish. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not. Are you uh, a CI/CD company? No. Don't. Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> yes. Um, I think. Yeah. It. Um, that was there was definitely a, a, a strong sense of that sort of pragmatism um, yeah. practiced at Intercom is one of the uh, engineering values that I was most uh, like happy to be around for so long. It was one that definitely rubbed off on me. Yeah, um, yeah, nice. So was that the end of the incident? You recover the yeah, that, Elastic that, Search that was, and then okay, we we, rec we recovered Elastic Search and then um, you know uh, people's messages that were queued. You know, because uh, well, also like message fan out was based on search material, right? So okay, yeah, um, mm, yeah. There was there was sort of like a two phase break here where new messages couldn't be found out because right. we couldn't do the search to ID expansion. Yep. 
um, and then the checkout, the check-in, the final stage of sending a message couldn't complete because even all of the jobs that had been queued, they wouldn't be able to do that like final validation to see like, hey, right. do you still match these uh, starting conditions? Got it. Okay. So that was just like a complete stasis, you know. Right. Um, and messages built up over time, so yep. this was, you know, people are still uh, queuing their day's worth of stuff to happen. Right. Um, Okay. You know, we, we unfortunately we can't replay everything. Sure. Uh, you know, pe people might have gone in and out of conditions, and that's like, you know, one of the like operationally, uh, Intercom was quite a complicated product, or maybe it, it was quite uh, rich in terms of the functionality that it provided, and that yeah. translated into a lot of. Um, requirements to be pretty sensitive to data changes and schedule yeah. things and yeah. if the moment has passed also with respect to like um, a pop-up message that needs to happen on a page or other things right. you know it's it's either it's a hit in a very small fraction of time or a miss entirely yeah. um, and so the loss of this uh, like search capacity was definitely a big hit for those hours and then also yeah. the inbox um, you know the in the in-house side of people who are working they need to look up for other conversations related to broken widgets they can't do that because search is down this is also like really getting in the way of uh you know they're measured on conversations they close right hour yeah. or other you know measures of efficiency that really are you know very uh, straining and so you know yeah. the idea that this tool uh, isn't working like gets in the way of them um so yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah. like a it wasn't just down tools uh, for intercom; it was down tools for all of intercom's customers, yeah. which yeah, is it was pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty sizable. The yeah. the like conversation index came back much quicker, so people okay. were um, were able to uh, resume, you know, the business side of getting through their conversation backlog and interacting with okay. people more quickly. The That's it right. was the outbound yeah. message, yeah, uh, because like the document right. store for um, people have way more users than they have conversations with their users. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because so support requests like, are relatively rare, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, this like large, you know, billion plus document store, uh, right. you know, had to be all just like pushed back into uh, Elasticsearch and okay. jailed into shape. Um, and so once Elasticsearch gets back up with all the data in there, now there's another queue that has to process with all of the like messages that are the yeah. all of the the like jobs which are running to be like okay do i you know uh you know yep. can i queue up can all I send? The, can i send queuing up all the messages to send and then there's a fourth queue i think we're on third queue fourth queue uh of like uh okay actually going and sending those messages and so okay woof <laughs> yeah so just like this whole you know yeah it's like a, a complex system right mm -hmm. uh, just like comes back to life um yeah and then presumably like a bunch of people got in to work on monday at your customers to a like pile of like responses to these messages or like you know things that hadn't processed and got to go yeah through I, that. I i'm sure that there were ramifications that uh that happened on monday i um yeah i remember being pretty pretty well frazzled by yeah yeah the, yeah the friday's activities yeah it was it was a good one because you, you closed up what uh like maybe 8 p.m uh yeah it was definitely um it it was a late um we had we had three different offices so we had dublin san francisco and london all participating in this okay. incident response oh like goodness multiple, multiple zooms um 
Or sorry, multiple hangouts. Yeah. I was, okay. It was actually one of the better incident coordinations that I had seen, even okay. with three uh, three locations going on, because it was possible to divide the problem into like a per cluster or per the mm. clusters were like logically broken up into different application areas. So, okay. Uh, and they oftentimes had different product teams that were the consumers of that. So you know, it was easy for us to say like, hey, the this this cluster, you know, you you go do that, like the, or uh, the instructions are the same for everybody. Okay. But we have a, um, you know, local, uh, everybody's like a local responder with respect to their team, which right. allows us to fan out the work. Okay. That's, um, yeah, that's nice. Being able to be, yeah. like, being able to kind of swarm the problem with, uh, yeah, everybody like restoring their own, uh, uh, their own local setup. That's nice. Like, yeah. Okay. And I, I don't know, I kind of enjoy those. It's like every, everybody pitching in on, on a thing. It can like actually be really fun once you've yeah. figured out what needs to be done and are just in the process of doing it. And then like... Yep. I mean, I think it's a really uh, over... The, the, the potency is maybe getting watered down a bit, but ownership as a term, like when practice and you actually give people sort of yeah. the tools um, yeah. and you don't hide them away or you don't... Uh, like it was, it was a team's responsibility to run this infrastructure and to make it excellent. Yeah. It wasn't their responsibility to keep it in an ivory tower or away from right. people. Or, yeah. Um, in fact, the internal, you know, uh, like career growth for people who maybe wanted to like grow into uh, ops or grow into you know something um, or vice versa, you know, was was quite strong. So nice. the yeah, you know, the more you get to show people, the the more likely it is that you know they might take an interest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, who was? Uh, were you managing this incident? Did you have an incident? Uh, manager? Thankfully, <laughs> we had an incident manager. Yeah, okay, the director nice. of engineering at the time. Oh, was, nice. Okay. Uh, like a seasoned uh, SRE from uh, Facebook and Amazon, and okay, uh, nice. some some Irish groups back in the day. So, yeah, nice. the the intercom office was uh, had quite a lot of SRE. Uh, the intercom office in Dublin, in particular, had like quite a lot of hired SRE talent from. Um, the, the fangs so for people who don't yeah. uh know the, the like geo history geopolitical history of like how the internet has spread into the world you know like the um the european union and the fact that ireland speaks uh so the european union the europe uh, the uh, euro currency and the fact that ireland speaks english where no other uh euro zone country in europe uh does meant that uh in the late 1980s and early 1990s there was a huge amount of foreign investment particularly from american multinationals in ireland as a expansive basis for the european operations so quite a lot of uh american tech companies are have their european headquarters in dublin uh, and um you know for example like google started there in the early 2000s Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the initial offices that they had out there were not product development offices. Mm -hmm. um, I can still remember the rare old times of the 2010s where there was a, you know, like, oh, products, you know, designed in California, right. you know, like yes. Yes. operated in Dublin, yes. <laughs> maybe, yes. but designed in California. Um, so a lot of the uh, offices that were built out there by Facebook, Google, you know, and such were very SRE focused oh, for okay. all of their nice. European and onward data center operations. Okay. So this was like yeah. talent that was like very, very uh, like heavily represented um, in nice. Dublin and it was possible for us to hire in. Patrick, this has been really lovely. Um, where can people super fun. find you on the internet? 
Um, I can be found at patrickod.computer, um, which is a little homepage that I'm building at the moment. Um, and I am on Mastodon at uh, infosec.exchange slash patrickod, or at patrickod. However, I don't know, how does one verbally uh, describe your Mastodon? I think presence? it's like an email address, like patrickod yeah. at infosec exchange but Pat, not actually an email address which is confusing yep. and it's yeah it's linked uh, from patrickod.computer okay so. brilliant yes that's, that's a good place to go great yes yeah any any parting thoughts um i don't know stay humble with computers they will oh, okay. they'll trick you yes they'll trick you yes um and uh yeah, no, stay humble with computers, they will trick they you, will trick but you. have fun. Yes. yes. Do have fun. Uh, and as serious as computers can be, uh, you know, it's people at the end of the day that matter. Yes. Yes, indeed. This has been the War Stories podcast on Critical Point. Uh, I'm Kevin Riegel, this is Patrick O'Doherty, and uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked that, please like and subscribe down below. We're just getting the channel and the podcast series going, and it helps a lot to know that people want to hear more. If you have an incident story you'd be willing to tell here, please email us at hello at complexsystems.group. That goes double if you want a cis white dude. We're great and have great incident stories, and other people are also great and also have great incident stories. It often helps to say out loud that we're looking for as many voices as we can, so if that describes you, please shoot us an email. Also, since Twitter, I mean X, but okay, who am I really kidding? Since Twitter are in the news again, uh, if you worked at Twitter and you have an instant story you'd like to tell from your time there, we'd especially like to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter as at Kevin Riggle and on Mastodon at Kevin Riggle at IOC.exchange. My consulting company, Complex Systems Group, is on the web at complexsystems.group. And with that, folks, till next time. <laughs>